sometimes it works, you know, snap of the finger, like within two or three minutes, someone can really describe to me like, wow, I was all the way up here and now I'm, I feel calmer and my breath is slower and I'm actually aware of my body and I actually feel what's underneath me as opposed to just kind of vibrating in anxiety. Hey, welcome, and welcome back to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful with expert interviews, rapid relaxers, and excellent resources. I'm Jordan Friedman. What comes to mind when you hear the term music therapy? Is it turning out the lights and listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon? Is it singing or drumming to relieve stress? Is it playing the harmonica in your therapist's office and then talking about how it felt to do so? I have to admit that before talking with today's guest, Maya Benatar, I was unclear about what music therapy was and how it was used to reduce stress and address many other life challenges. Nor was I clear on the distinction between music therapy, the profession, and just putting on some Miles Davis after a really tough week. We're going to touch on all of the above and more ways that music is and can be used to feel better, and really interestingly, how it can be used to figure things out. Maya Benatar is a music therapist and psychotherapist in private practice in New York City and online throughout New York State. Her specialties include anxiety, childhood intergenerational trauma, and highly sensitive people. In addition to her clinical work, Maya offers supervision consultation to other therapists, provides professional development and wellness workshops, and offers restorative workshops for helpers and healers. Stay tuned to the end of the conversation because we'll try some sonic stress relief with binaural beats. I started my discussion with Maya by asking her, what is music therapy? So music therapy is essentially the clinical and goal-oriented use of music interventions in order to address physical, emotional, social, and emotional well-being goals. And recognizing that everyone's experience with music therapy will be different in some ways or many ways. Are there typical things that happen during a music therapy session or, or series of sessions? Music therapists work with anyone and everyone. So that's everyone from babies in the NICU to people who are on hospice and everyone in between. So given that, a music therapy session is going to look really different for a four-year-old who's on the autism spectrum than it will for a teenager who's suffering with depression, than it will for, you know, an elderly person who has Parkinson's and is trying to work on gait training. Yeah, so I guess I can speak from my, um, the context of my work right now, which is that I work primarily with um, adults with anxiety, trauma histories, and those who are highly sensitive. So we might listen to music, um, so we might choose specific music that connects to specific feelings, or things that have happened recently. We might improvise, so create music in the moment, which is a really interesting technique that helps people learn about themselves, right? Improvising requires a little bit of flexibility and creativity. And if you're a bit stuck in anxiety, it can be challenging in sort of a good way and a way to connect to your body and not just be stuck in your mind as often happens when we're you know, struggling with stress or anxiety or something like that. And there are a lot of other techniques that sometimes can show up in a music therapy session. Sometimes it might be songwriting. Sometimes it might be talking. Sometimes it might be humming or breathing techniques to help calm the nervous system. Um, there's no one way that a music therapy session looks. And I, I personally find that kind of 
um, kind of exciting because it means that my clients and I can co-create what feels most helpful and useful for them in the moment. Interesting. Does it ever involve someone bringing in an instrument or maybe trying an instrument for the first time? That's a great question. Um, Sometimes it does, yeah. So I've worked with people who have played musical instruments before, maybe not for many years, and also with people who've never touched a musical instrument and, you know, have no experience with like piano lessons or any, or, you know, orchestra or anything like that. And so sometimes it is about, and even if they have, sometimes it is about like trying a new instrument. Um, And there's a lot that can kind of come up within ourselves around trying something new, right? And that's a place for inquiry and and exploration of like what comes up when you do something that you may or may not be good at does that feel familiar in the context of you know your work life or your personal life or your relationships are there sort of internalized beliefs around being not good enough or being bad at something or not doing it perfectly or so it gives it's a lot of good grist for the mill to try something new um, and so, yeah, sometimes I've had, I've had clients who are trying an instrument for the first time or they used to play piano, but now they're trying some, you know, random instrument in my office that they've never seen before. And it, it can really open up a lot of possibility for learning about themselves. Hmm. And given that, I assume that one doesn't have to have a knowledge of music. So let's say an instrument is not involved. You don't have to know about classical music or know how to read sheet music or understand the intricacies of songwriting to be in music therapy and benefit from it. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, you don't need to know how to read music or to to have a background in music or to have ever touched an instrument. And I have some clients who choose to not touch instruments and we use recorded music and we use imagery and we use you know, other ways that music is, feels more accessible to them. But my part of my job and part of my training is to make the idea of improvising or touching an instrument or exploration and self-expression in a non-verbal way to make that non-threatening, right? So to make it accessible. So a lot of the instruments in my office or the ways that I invite people to play them are really simple. They're not I'm not putting down a, you know, a, a sheet music for a violin sonata and saying like, this is how you're going to feel better. Because first of all, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and second of all, that would be really overwhelming to a lot of people, including me, because I don't actually play violin. But it, it really isn't about um, reading music or having a musical background at all. But I'd say pretty much all of my clients, past and present, music means something to them. It's a way that they connect with their feelings. It's a way that they feel calm, that they feel energized, that they feel seen. And so that's why music therapy is so powerful for them. Yeah, I wouldn't want anyone to think, and I'm putting myself in this comment, that it's like piano lessons when you were a kid, which I still have anxiety dreams about now and then where I didn't I didn't practice as much as I should have and yeah. the lessons coming around and my right. teacher who was sort of critical mm-hmm. uh, so we're not talking about that we are not talking about that and as you said that I I totally had a, a moment of flashing back to when I was a teenager and how I did not practice enough for my voice lessons and you know the anxiety that that would elicit or sometimes I would say like oh yeah 
practice when it was probably clear that I didn't. So this is not that. Um, but it is interesting to notice that a lot of us have these prior associations with music, even if we love it, sort of these memories of, oh, I didn't practice, or oh, the choir teacher told me I, you know, I, I don't have a good voice or whatever. And it's okay if people come into music therapy with those experiences, because those experiences have shaped often how they feel about themselves as, as a person in some way, big or small. Um, but, but music therapy is not about, you know, making sure you do your scales or anything like that. Yeah. And on the flip side, I'll just say one more personal thing, because I'm learning about music therapy as we're talking. Music was a huge part of my growing up in, in my house because my father, he was not a professional piano player, but he played piano all of the time. He was quite good. And I have this very strong memory of that piano being a joyful thing for him and therefore a very nice calming soundtrack in my house which was not always a calm place and in fact when i was a little kid great memories of sitting underneath the baby grand piano in the living room and feeling mm. very warm and safe and protected by my father and by the music. Um, I, I had not thought about that before we started talking. Lovely. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's a nice memory. That's such thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Yeah, there's something there can be something so soothing and containing, particularly a baby grand, right? The way the sound just like is so immersive. Um, and I think that's such a lovely example of how powerful music can be, especially you know, at, the, at a young age to feel this sense, I, you know, that you may not have been able to articulate at that age, to feel this sense of I'm safe, I'm held, I feel calm, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the words might have been, right? Mm -hmm. And we still need that. We need that likely even more, perhaps, as adults in this crazy world, to be able to access that place inside of ourselves where we can, and we have to provide it for ourselves as adults most of the time, right? That sense of I am safe, I can feel calm, I, I have resources and ways I can take care of myself. And music is such a beautiful way to do that. My father passed away about five years ago, and my mother is still with us. And we have a few recordings on compact disc of my father playing the piano. And the only disc my mother has in the nursing home where she lives is of my father playing the piano. And it's really pretty short. It's maybe 10 or 12 minutes. And she plays that almost daily. So it's also giving her comfort and good memories and really powerful. Thank you. Yes, music is such a strong through line to, to memories. Yeah. I think, you know, so many of us can think, you know, if you think of a certain song, you might remember where you were when you first heard it or who you were with or... And, and that has the power to connect us both, I think, to, I want to, to say, to both good, positive memories and also to difficult ones, which is why, you know, it, music therapy isn't just about making people happy, but the work that I do is about, you know, working through trauma and difficult, you know, um, often like childhood trauma. So music can be both, but it is such a powerful conduit to, to memory and to emotion. It's really endlessly fascinating to me. Do you have examples of how music, music therapy has had an impact on stress and anxiety? 
there's a lot of great research out there about music therapy as a way to reduce stress and anxiety. I'm thinking for some reason of a lot of the great research that's been done by colleagues at places like Beth Israel and Memorial Sloan Kettering about music therapy as a way to reduce stress and anxiety in pre-op and post-op patients, to reduce pain perception. It's so incredibly powerful and there's a lot of ways that that really amazing work is being done in hospital settings. But music therapy is a powerful way to reduce anxiety. If we think about the different properties that music has, it can it can help slow us down. Our body is really our bodies, our nervous systems are based in rhythm, really. And so when we have that awareness, we can use music, we can use things like humming or singing as a way to really slow down, calm down the nervous system, move from fight or flight back into a state of rest and digest, it's called. And so sometimes that's through a song, sometimes that's through a song that already exists or through writing a song or through doing some um, vocalizing or humming exercises. It really does depend. I've seen a lot of that. And sometimes it works you know, snap of the finger, like within two or three minutes, someone can, can really describe to me like, wow, I was here, like all the way up here. And now I'm, I feel calmer and my breath is slower and I'm actually aware of my body. And I actually feel what's underneath me as opposed to just kind of vibrating and anxiety. Um, so that's sometimes we can really feel that really quick physiological change, which is really cool. And then over time, once we can address, you know, what's happening physiologically, it provides the opportunity to sort of explore on a deeper level the roots of the anxiety, because unless that happens, the same pattern will just keep happening. And so the way that I work as, as someone who does music psychotherapy, which is really based in mental health work, is to help people explore where did this anxiety start? Like where, you know, where do you remember it? Um, how did it feel when you were a kid? How does it feel now? And so we explore all of that through music as well. So it, it is this deeper exploration, which over time can help them build a different relationship to their anxiety because it isn't about making anxiety go away. We actually need a little bit of it. A little bit of it is healthy to help sort of motivate us and move us. It's when we have too much that it's like having the gas and the brake on at the same time and you just kind of don't go anywhere. Maya, in your bio, you describe what seems like an incredible contradiction when you were growing up, that of being really shy and simultaneously being able to even wanting to get up in front of hundreds of people and perform. Can you talk about that a little bit? And is that what led you to the kind of work you do today? I do talk about how I was a very, very shy and anxious kid, but I could perform in front of hundreds of people. I think that's part of what led me to this work. I was always a really musical kid. I didn't really know what to make of it as a 10, 11, 12 year old. Um, But I knew that in music, I felt powerful. When I was singing, I felt powerful. And that was a nice feeling for me. And that was, it was a place in which I could access that sense of power and satisfaction. And to be honest, validation. Um, because I wasn't good at sports and, you know, and I grew up in a pretty sports centric town. So it was a place where I felt good about myself. And I think every kid needs that. So I think that was part of what brought me to music therapy. Um, the other part is really succinctly is that I wanted to do something that had to do with helping people. 
Um, I didn't want to be a performer. As I said before, I didn't really like practicing. So I, I figured that probably wouldn't go very well <laughs> um, if I wanted to be a performer. And my mother is a social worker. And so I was exploring perhaps being a social worker, perhaps being a teacher, like things in that realm. And to be honest, I was doing an AOL search around different like human service oriented professions. And I stumbled upon music therapy. I was 16 or 17. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I had never heard of it. And that was pretty much it. I, it, it felt like the perfect fit for me, the combination of my love of music coming from a musical family and wanting to do something that would be helpful to others, right? Wanting to, to be of service in, in my work. And that just felt like the perfect combination for me. And I haven't looked back since. And what you said before about having the experience of performing, doesn't that speak to how important these kinds of programs are in schools, whether it be music or drama or art, because not everyone is into sports, mm -hmm. gets praised for sports, or their smarts around history or their ability to write. And it's so important to have something that you feel good about and that you receive some some support and praise around. Absolutely. I mean, I was really, really lucky to go to school in a district where there was a lot of su support for sports, it's true, but there was also a ton of support for, for music and drama. And and their kids don't always have that, especially these days, and it's really a shame. So there's so many good reasons that arts are really needed in the schools. Absolutely. So last question, short of engaging in music therapy or knowing how to play an instrument or really being verse in music, as we discussed earlier. How can people use music in fairly simple ways to reduce their stress and anxiety? So short of being a client of a music therapist or knowing how to play an instrument, um, what I often will recommend is creating playlists. So that's a really like accessible thing to most people um, on your Spotify, your Apple Music, whatever you use. And there's a couple of different kind of playlists that I recommend. One of which is a playlist of music that helps you feel calm. And so you might already have something like this, but a playlist of music that helps you feel calm that doesn't necessarily have to be calm, quote unquote, music. It can be any genre, can be any style, just music that you know helps you feel relaxed, helps your your breath slow down a little bit, helps your heart rate decrease, and just helps you feel a little chill, as some people might say. I always encourage people to create these playlists when you're feeling fine, because when you're feeling stressed and you need it, you're not gonna have the wherewithal to create it then, right? So it's like having creating the tool and then having it in your back pocket or in your Spotify for when you need it. And then also, there's a couple other options. One that I also like to suggest is a playlist of music that has some energy to it. And, and this is just how our nervous system works. We either get really, really amped up and anxious, or we can kind of get really stuck and, and slow down and sort of a little dissociated. And so music that helps bring a sense of energy and momentum can be really helpful. And again, that can be any style, can be any genre, whatever makes sense for you. So for some people, it's classical. For some people, it's a mix of stuff. For some people, it's hip hop. There are no rules because we are all so different and our musical tastes are different. And I think that's really awesome. And really knowing that you can listen to something and really impact how you feel in your body, how your breath feels. And so having that sense of, 
of agency, of, of a little bit of control can be really helpful for, especially for those of us who struggle with, um, with stress and anxiety and who doesn't have a little bit of that these days. <laughs> mm, exactly. And I reiterate what you said before about having playlists created ahead of time because it can be really hard to put one together when you're really stressing out about something. Totally. So it's a real, really great prevention tip. So thank you. It's a you. really great preventive tip. Yeah. It's like carrying around Band-Aids in your, in your bag, right? They're there when you need them. Maya Benatar, music psychotherapist. Thank you so much for coming to the Chill Factor and teaching us about music and music therapy. Thanks for having me, Jordan. You can learn more about Maya and music therapy in the show notes and at thechillfactory.net. As promised, it's time for a little sonic stress and anxiety relief here in the break room. If you can, get comfortable. Use earbuds or headphones for maximum stress relief. Close your eyes and try to inhale as each sound wave builds and exhale as each sound wave recedes. It's also fine to just listen to these sounds and let your stress and anxiety drift away as you do. This music is part of a longer track called Ebb, which means to recede, and it includes binaural beats, which are two different inaudible sound frequencies that your brain turns into one. This new sound slows more active brain waves, lessens stress and anxiety, brings on sleep, and even reduces the perception of pain according to some studies. You can find Ebb and hundreds of other stress and anxiety reducers on the Chill Factory app. Just download the Chill Factory from the App Store or Google Play and enter the password MUSIC so that you and 25 other listeners can use all of the Chill Factory app's features for free for one year from the original post date of this episode. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And there's always more at thechillfactory.net and now at The Chill Factory Podcast on Instagram. And as Bob Marley said, one good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. <laughs>